0: FM Breakfast Show with the Double L team, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome, everybody! So glad to have you joining us here this morning on Faith FM, right across Australia on eighty-seven 878 or eighty-eight, right across the network. Special shout out to Mort this morning to those listening uh, in Shell Harbour, New South Wales, on 878, Campbelltown, New South Wales, on eighty-eight, or uh, Murinda in Victoria, also on 88.0. Yeah, shout out Campbelltown and
1: all the people who live there. I I've spent very little time there, but I know it exists. Campbelltown's awesome.
0: Yeah, I spent a lot of time in Campbelltown. Oh,
1: really? Oh, absolutely. You 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 know you that's. That's the hood. That's the traps. Yeah, yeah, get, yeah, get yeah. around. And, and
0: our, I believe our transmitter down there in Campbelltown is a rel- relatively recent purchase. Mm. So uh, big shout out to all of our yeah, listeners shout in Campbelltown. Out Campbelltown. Yeah. What are you grateful for this morning? I'm well, grateful the message is going out in Campbelltown. Oh, praise God! I, was, I mean, having lived in Western Sydney for 21 years, wow. Uh, Campbelltown was sort of southwestern Sydney, a little bit south of where we were. Mm-hmm. But definitely a place where we spent significant amount of time. So mm. yeah, praise God. What are you thankful for?
1: oh uh, I am thankful. I played basketball yesterday and I didn't roll my ankle. That's always I, positive. I wore appropriate shoes. So I you know, my message today to everyone, wear appropriate shoes. There you go. Like, shoes whatever you're doing.
0: Shoes appropriate for what you're doing. I wore steel caps yesterday.
1: Oh, okay. And you didn't cut your toes off? And I didn't cut my toes off. Praise God. Yes. That's awesome. Why were you doing? You were fixing your engine? I was. Amazing.
0: It's kind of what I do when I have spare time these days. <laughs> it absorbs all my spare time. You're
1: listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different
0: as we jump into the show Lawson's going to bring us the first question of the quiz we have amazing cookbooks to give us away to give away this week you know Lawson we have given so many cookbooks away uh-huh and we've never had an invitation yeah to no I think we actually we have but it was too far away Like seriously guys come on and even someone someone Find from my,
1: someone from my church won one. And they still haven't invited me over. They haven't even invited (laughs) they haven't even invited me over. That's so rough. They they we and I know I
0: understand why they didn't invite no (laughs) I know it I know where they live too. So (laughs) I think I think you and I should just go and crash their place and say Get the cookbook out. Listen, I'm
1: hungry, lady. Let's get started. Let's eat vegan food.
0: Let's, let's make this happen.
1: But hey, let's uh, let's get some more people to win some cookbooks so we have more options to be invited to. Can we, we
0: call this person out? by... no, we've been.
1: Nah, we won't do that. <laughs> we won't do that. Okay, who dreamed of seven healthy cows being eaten by seven malnourished cows? Now that sounds like mad cow disease. And these people need help. But again, who dreamed of seven healthy cows being eaten by seven malnourished cows? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine 064 669 is the number two call or text if you know the answer to that one. And if you do, you'll go into the running to win the, to win the Revive Cafe Cookbook 3 and 4. Volumes 3 and 4, which are full of incredible, amazing, tasty, and relatively easy to make yes. vegan recipes
0: and there's no cows in them you will there's not no be, cows. you will not be eating cows. you won't get you won't, mad eating, cow disease. you won't be eating healthy cows or unhealthy cows and you won't be eating cows that ate cows mm. none of that you'll be eating a bit of a rough quiz question when we're talking about cookbooks and suddenly feeling hungry and suddenly not feeling hungry at all <laughs> yeah and again that question was who dreamed of
1: seven healthy cows being eaten by seven malnourished cows 0491 064 669. This is a Bible question, by the way. If you had this yes. dream, don't tell me because I'll think you're weird. But yeah, 0491 <laughs> 064 0669. <laughs> I think I've actually had
0: weirder dreams than that.
1: Than this. Uh, dreams can be pretty wild. I've had at some talks. pretty weird dreams. They can be pretty yeah, wild. Fair enough.
0: Anyway, what do we got in the world of
1: positively different news? Oh, I just want to give a quick shout out to England, whose country looks incredibly yellow right now. Oh, oh, really? Because it's super hot and it's not raining.
0: They're not used to that. I I they're used to it looking green. I saw
1: this video yesterday where it's like comparing different uh, locations around London, and it's like you know comparing them in like previous year's summer to like this year's summer and it's like yellow does it look like
0: australia it looks yes. like australia really
1: like legitimately looks like obviously there's very green parts of australia but you know you know you, yes. you go out to tamworth and they haven't had rain a bit and it's kind of you know greeny yellow oh, yeah
0: we we have lots of brown parts i mean hey during that is during the drought years everywhere it was brown
1: that's right it literally looks like that around london that's amazing so shout out to england I hope things get better, but it's not only affecting... Glad, glad to see
0: that you catching up with Australia, turning yellow.
1: Yeah, that, that's right. <laughs> but
0: it's We're the, nice and green right now, so come and visit oh, us. Dude, we are like... We we have had... Literal, for, literally, we've had too much rain. Except for the brown patches, which are covered with river sediment.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So, you know... We we should try and give some to them. It's the rest of Europe as well that's struggling too, whether it's France or Spain. This this kind of Western European area is incredibly drought filled right now. It's not that's nothing new to Spain. I lived in an area in Spain, in Catana, where they had rain twice a year. Okay. Like That's not much. And some I think it went eight years without raining. And they were just getting donated water from other places, which is, you know, pretty Pretty easy to do when you're in Europe. But then, uh yeah, it would rain, like, twice a year. And when it would rain, it would flood. The streets would, like, be running with water. And not even because the rain was so bad, just because they didn't prepare for rain. So, wow. all the gutter systems and everything just weren't ready for that. And it would rain and literally, like, you'd be walking down. The- I was at a restaurant and it started raining and I wanted to get home. And I was by myself. And I would start running through the rain and the water's, like above my like almost up to my knees and it's just a regular kind of flash flood but like you know the kind of flash flood we'd have here in newcastle and you know just drain off into yes. the ocean yes.
0: so that was interesting times anyways I, I, I had a friend i had a friend oh yep who um who was a missionary in i think it was oman mm-hmm. this is like 100 years ago he was an old guy he's long mm-hmm. since passed away and that was back in the day when you could do that Because Islam didn't used to be anything like as radical Uh, as what uh, it is uh, right uh, now, uh, uh. and you could do that. But anyway, he tells a story of what rained one time, and it was the first time it had rained in seven years. Wow. And all all of these kids were just freaking out and losing their minds because there was water coming out of the sky, and they'd never seen that. That's crazy. Yeah, it was just like they thought the world – the kids clearly thought the world was just ending.
1: That's insane.
0: Yeah. It's pretty wild.
1: Dude. Well, hey, I have some more news to talk about, okay. specifically health news. I'm hoping I can get through both of these because these are incredible stories. Cool. The first one has to do with ears, Lyle. and Very useful I, things. I, I like having ears. I like listening to things. Yes. I can 100% attest that my ears are better than Lyle's. Lyle's ears... Lyle's headphones, every time I put them on, are so loud. Like, you know, because we'll have different people coming to fill in and I'll sit in Lyle's chair and I put his headphones in and I'm, like, dying. Uh,
0: But I'm, I'm actually surprised that your ears are so good after all that time you spend in motorsports. This is
1: the thing. I am so lucky... Well, blessed, I think, to be able to leave that industry and not have permanent ear damage. Did you used to wear earplugs? Yeah, that's the thing. I was like, my dad was super on me about two things: wearing earplugs and not standing in motorcycle fumes. So, like, if there was oh, a, if, really? if there were like motorbikes like on in the shed, yep. like, like mm-hmm. he needed to warm the bike up or something, and especially like two strokes, you can see all this yeah, smoke yeah, coming yeah. out because the oil. He's like, get out, like go stand outside. Like, I don't want you to get poisoned. And so that was really awesome. Like, I really appreciate that.
0: Dad, you dad Was, was it dead? He and, was and, looking and, and after he it. He took it for you. That's right. He's like, I'll uh, take the theme.
1: But the other, the other side is like, yeah, ears as well. And I was always wearing earplugs and, but because literally like when you're not wearing earplugs, your ears are definitely getting damaged when you're standing around bikes that are 115, 120 decibels. Like there would be times I'd be riding and one of my earplugs would fall out and it's, deafening like you'd be ringing but yeah i've come out of that with no ear damage and specifically this story i have is about tinnitus which is something that a lot of people suffer with and from from damaging their ears and then they get that that low well high ringing in Mm -hmm, their ears mm -hmm. which is terrible do you have tinnitus lyle Mm -hmm. oh that's well, hey- From time to time. This is the story for you. Because essentially what they're saying here about how to treat tinnitus, and this is very similar to the story that I talked about with like chronic back pain. They're just like, hey, we just train the brain to drown it out. And then people don't have tinnitus anymore. In fact, they did a study. Uh, this was in the University of Auckland in New Zealand. Shout out New Zealand. Uh, they did this study there. They did this, you know- this is Just research. rewire the brain. Basically, they had 30, they had 60 participants, okay? This is in its trial stages. Sixty, thirty 30 of those participants used the conventional methods of overcoming white noise, which is, sorry, overcoming tinnitus, which is listening to white noise and that kind of thing. And the other 30 participants were engaged in this 12-week program where you, again, rewire the brain to train out the sound of tinnitus, like the, the ringing. The ringing. And those thirty people, the results were drastic to life-changing. Wow! All thirty of them had had overcome. So how do you, how do you actually rewire it? Uh, it's essentially like. Again, this is, this is, you know, it's still in approval and whatnot. This is the secret source. The article doesn't get into too much of it, but essentially. It's
0: be patented so they can make money out of it.
1: That's right. They, they train the brain in a way to de-emphasize the sound of tinnitus to a background noise that has no meaning or relevance to the listener. Because the problem with tinnitus is, you know, there are lots of noises that we hear 24-7. Yep.
0: And we, the noises that we shut out.
1: We just shut them out. Whereas the problem with tinnitus is that it's noticeable. And so then we focus on it. And then it irritates us and ruins our lives.
0: Kind of like a conscience.
1: Yeah. Like we should be listening to the
0: conscience. We should be conscience. listening to the conscience. The conscience should get louder while tinnitus should get, That's right. get softer. That's but right. What if... you persisti- persistently <laughs> ignore, you cease to hear. Is That's that just right. the, the principle? That's essentially
1: this? what it is. And so it's this brain training, it's this you know psychotherapy that they do with people to be able to drown tinnitus out so you no longer listen to it and then it doesn't exist and doesn't affect you. Wow. Which is, I think, is incredible, the amazing things that the brain can do. And if, you know, maybe you have some, some thoughts on these stories, maybe you want to fix your tinnitus, 0491-064-669. Hey, let us know your experience. You're listening to The Breakfast Joe Podcast on Faith FM, positively different.
0: We're about to get further into our... Uh, News stories for this morning, but before Mm -hmm. we do, another clue for our quiz. All
1: right. Question is, this is multiple choice. Who was with Azar when he died? Was it A, Ohio, B, Hijah, C, Ahaliyah, or D, Ahiah? So, Ohio, Ahijah, Ahalayab or Ahio Or Ahio. Zero, 49... there, I just wanna to... I wanna get that I wanna get that uh the differentiation. You have Ohio and Ahio oh, higher So Ohio, Ohio, Ahijah, or Ahaliab. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Is the number to call if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you will go in the draw to win the Revive Cafe Cookbooks. Three and 4 we'll give them to you absolutely for free. All you need to do is to win the draw. And all you need to do to get in the draw is answer this question correctly. 0491 064 669. Was it Ohio, Ahijah, Ahaliyah, or Ahio?
0: Well, there you go. All right, turning to more serious news, we did promise that we would talk about statues this morning and I've often said here I'm not the kind of person who is in favour of removing statues Mm -hmm. and my position remains the same. I think we definitely need to reinterpret statues because Mm. we need to recognise that many of our heroes of the past were human beings and they were, as such, broken human beings who did Mm. bad things. If there was you know, a statue made of Lawson, for instance, we could write lots of good things about Lawson and his contribution to The Breakfast Show... Uh, I think he'd be very embarrassed if we made a statue. But no, you know, no, not oh, about, no, no, no. He's, he's gonna
1: I, I want the statue. You, you want while you want you've planted the seed in my heart of wanting this statue. Now this now is something right. that I definitely want. As soon as you okay. said, uh-huh. as soon as you said, if we made a statue of Lawson, I'm like, that is a genius idea.
0: Okay, but one of the things that we could do on the <laughs> statue, when we're interpreting the statue on the plaque, we could include the fact that Lawson wanted the statue because he thinks well of himself <laughs> and was lacking in humility. So Lawson did great things for the breakfast show and faith event, but he was lacking in humility. You know, and I think this is how we need to be real when we study history. Mm-hmm. We should study history to find out what actually happened rather than mm. just finding out propaganda. For sure. So, there's a statue, a controversial statue of William Crowther mm-hmm. uh, in Hobart, and the Hobart City Council voted to take it down. Oh, that was like Gerard. So, what happened was in the 1860s, this guy was uh, Premier of uh, Tasmania, of course, governor. In the 1860s, he was a surgeon, mm-hmm. and he broke into a morgue in Hobart. So, that's a criminal act, which was storing the body of an Aboriginal man by the name of William Lane. Mm hmm or lamb, he removed the skull, sent it to a museum and replaced it with another skull that he had on hand because, being a surgeon, he had those kinds of things on hand So research and so forth. Uh-huh. That's that's what you did back in the day. Yeah. You, you had random body parts that you uh, used. why? For, uh, because, okay, and here's the reason. They were doing research at that particular time on the less evolved races of the world. Hmm. And of course, Europeans were dominating the world, and so Europeans were obviously more evolved than Tasmanian aboriginals. And they wanted to find out you know why, how, you know, how has evolution <laughs> affected this whole process? Yeah. So this is what was going on. and uh, of course, that was a pretty awful thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a there was a statue to this guy because he did a lot of other good things. Mm-hmm. don't know what they are, but he did a lot of good things. Uh was erected in Franklin Square in 1889 for his political and professional service to the colony. Mm. And yesterday, Hobart councillors voted seven to four to get rid of the statue. Oh, wow. And so my question is, okay, what are we actually accomplishing by getting rid of the statue? You know what we're actually accomplishing? We are covering up major embarrassment. Mm. And the major embarrassment is twofold. One, the way we treated. Indigenous people in Australia, but more importantly, the reason behind Mm. why we treated them that way Mm -hmm. because we saw them as a less evolved species than ourselves. Wow. And of course, you know, there's none of that in the discussion. Mm -hmm. It's all about, oh, we treated, you know, Aboriginal people badly. Yes, we did. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then if this is what happened, use this as a learning opportunity. Yes history should be there for learning <laughs> highlight it change the plaque at the bottom tell the story of what happened oh that's so true so that future generations can learn from it the problem is the moment that you tell the story of what happened you have to explain why it happened mm. and we can't have that mm because that's anti-evolutionary mm so, because we can't have a statement against evolution, this is like, well, let's get rid of this whole st- the statute altogether. It's
1: just a big historical cover up, then. It is. Wow.
0: Um, so, the Lord Mayor Anna Reynolds said, "With our decision, we're saying we're ready to have truth telling take prime position oh. <laughs> in our premier civic square." Okay, so get rid of the opportunity to tell the truth and ignore like, and try and ignore that that truth never happened. Mm. We don't want to celebrate our time in history when scientists and doctors wanted to prove theories of European superiority. Notice she stops short of saying wanted to prove theories of evolution, which Mm. is what it actually was. Mm -hmm. This is what was actually taking place. She says it was an appalling tradition, and as long as the statue stands there, Crowther uh, is appalling tradition. As long as the statue stands there, Crowther does. Represent that part of the scientific and medical tradition. Notice how she dances around the words evolution and just sort of refuses to go anywhere near mm. them. Basically, as long as that statue stood there, it was, it, it stood there as a, a statement to the intrinsic racism of the theory of evolution. Mm. That's why they had to get rid of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, when we, you know, you cannot have evolution without having racism, mm. because the simple reality is that. Some of us carry Neanderthal DNA Mm -hmm. and some of us don't. Mm -hmm. So if you're carrying Neanderthal DNA, you can cut that cake any which way you want. If you're an evolutionist, you are less evolved than somebody who doesn't carry that Mm. DNA. Now, I don't see somebody carrying – if I had Neanderthal DNA, I'd be proud of it. Yeah. Like, this is cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Because, because he was just
1: a big hairy man who lived in the past.
0: Yeah, that's right. He <laughs> was a human being, just as human being as I am. And this is where this is where the creationist view or the um, the intelligent design view mm. is so unracist because it puts all humans on exactly the same level. Mm-hmm as the individual creation by God who wow. saw them as being perfect in that way and wanted them to be that way. So he created them that way. Wow. It's what I love about Christianity. All right. Um, Alderman Simon uh, Barakis was one of the ones who voted to keep it there. He said, The statue didn't go up celebrating the horrors and appalling acts that were committed. Those appalling acts should not be minimized, should not be sanitized away But I think removing the statue does just just that, and I agree with him. We need to leave it there, and we need to point out the fact that this guy was doing appalling things Mm -hmm. to try and prove the theory of European superiority based on evolution. And this is why they were using it for scientific research. Mm. Uh, There was nothing more to it than that. Anyway, another story here. Uh, This is an interesting one on speaking in tongues, and when we talk about speaking in tongues, uh, I'm talking about glossolalia. So this is uh, what is supposedly the gift of tongues that you don't find in the New Testament, but people claim you find in the New Testament. And this is where people utter words or speech-like sounds often thought by believers to be languages unknown to the speaker. Uh, It's kind of like the fluid vocalizing of syllables that lack any readily comprehended meaning. So that's, that's what we're talking about, and a lot of people have uh, you know, that as a very deep part of their um, Christian experience. Now, before we take on this subject, we need to point out that speaking in tongues is not exclusively Christian. It existed mm. in non-Christian religions as well as pre-Christian religions, and it crossed over into Christianity via Mormonism. Or the Church of the Latter day Saints. So they sort of picked it up in the 1830s. Um, and then it crossed over into Christianity in the 1900s. A lot of people are quite
1: unaware of the history. i never heard of that. Like, yeah, my mouth from. is, was open. If you, you, I know you guys can't see. I was like, really?
0: Yeah. Anyway, that's the history of it. A new study has pointed that while most American evangelicals do not identify as Pentecostal or charismatic. Mm hmm. About a quarter of them say that they have spoken in tongues, Mm. which is interesting because 45% of people who attend a Pentecostal church have never spoken in tongues. Why not? Very good question. And so what you're seeing here is a real blend in evangelical Christianity where you have a broad variety of doctrines that held people are choosing churches not based on the doctrines or the practices of those churches but based on the flavor of the worship and the uh, mm. and the fellowship that they experience mm. and this really is an evidence of the ecumenical movement in practice in our world so much more we could do uh talking about this but there's you know there's three basically three main ways of defining a Pentecostal, someone who considers themselves a Pentecostal, attends a Pentecostal or charismatic church and speaks in tongues. There's only 6% of evangelicals who fall into that category mm. and yet you've got uh, a much larger percent uh, about 25% that have actually uh, that, that actually speak in tongues. So an interesting, interesting research coming out of the States. You're listening to
1: the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM Positively Different.
0: Hey, you're listening to and The probably, Breakfast probably Show. Everybody knows who that is, but yeah, yeah. I didn't know who Lyle it was.
1: didn't know. But you're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM, and we're gonna have another clue for the quiz. Our next one is complete the verse. The harvest truly is great, but the blank blank blank. That's tough. That's that that's tough to not Giveaway away so and hard say 0491 064 six, four, six, six, is the number to call or text if you know the answer. If you do, you can go into the draw to win the Revive Cafe Cookbook Volumes 3 and 4. We're just going to give them to you for free. You have to win the draw. And to get in the draw, you have to answer these questions correctly. So, again, that question was complete the verse. The harvest is truly great, but the blank, blank, blank. 0491 064
0: Six six nine. So joining us on the phone right now to talk about good health is Renee Livingston. Renee, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Good morning, everybody.
0: And just very quickly before we get started, just tell us your background in uh, in health work and therapy and so forth.
2: Yeah, sure. So I'm a naturopath by training, so I've spent um, my uh, years, I guess, in various Places like health retreats as well as being in clinical
0: practice as well. Ah, fantastic Amazing. stuff. And I understand we're going to talk about something that is very simple and mm-hmm. uh, that is fantastically beneficial for our health yep. and something critical we actually, for critical for life, but, and something we actually,
2: we really do appreciate and that is <laughs> sleep, right? Yep. That's right. I certainly do. Sleep is one of those things that I certainly can't live without. And after having two kids of my own and living life with a period of disrupted sleep, sleep is one of those things that, yeah, I do not take for granted anymore. (laughs) So if this is something
0: that we appreciate so much, why is it that it becomes a health issue for us? Shouldn't it be like, yeah, we like sleep. We like to have regular sleep. We like to, you know, crawl between the sheets at night and snuggle up to our pillow uh, why is it that this has become a health issue for us?
2: Yeah, look, it's a sleep. It, sleep is a big issue for a lot of people. It's estimated that um, about fifty to sixty percent of adults have some kind of sleep disorder. So either they've got insomnia, so they get into bed and just can't fall asleep, or they've got some other condition, whether it be diabetes, and they're having like a hypoglycemic. Um, blood sugar episode in the night that then they wake up from or if people have restless legs and different things. Um, look, the, the biggest factors are probably going to be um, emotional health, so psychological stuff, when our stress levels are high and our cortisol cold, cortisol levels are up. That actually does impede our melatonin production, which is our big hormone for sleep, rest, rejuvenation. Um, and the other big thing is just living in a world where you know, technology's rife. We've got artificial light sources. It does really play with those um, systems and cycles that our body is designed to have um, in order to get adequate sleep. So, yeah, there's definitely a number of factors that uh, influence it. And, you know, I'm sure we've all had this where we've you know had all the lights on in the house. You're busy. You've got things that you're doing. Uh, you know, you stay up late, sitting in front of your computer, trying to figure out something for work the next day. Um, and that really does cut our melatonin down and affect our ability to sleep soundly and get a proper restorative sleep because uh, yeah those cycles essentially kick into kick into play as soon as the sun sets so in winter uh, the sun sets earlier than in summer so your sleep cycles do change a little bit throughout the year but essentially our melatonin production should start increasing as soon as the sun sets but I'll and the sun doesn't set in our own homes because we've got all the lights on, TVs blaring, computer screens open, and that does really affect our our sleep cycles.
0: Okay, and one one other thing, I guess that comes into my mind: we have lots of you know things in our home that are plugged in, and seem to uh, makers of electronic things seem to have this fascination with attaching a little red or green LED to that device, whatever it might be, just to show that it's plugged in and switched on. And it's like, why does that need to be there? And it's yeah. amazing how much light that can actually create in a room. Does that interfere with our sleep?
2: It certainly does. So, yeah, things that we're more aware of can be things like, you know, a ticking clock and you're hearing it feeling like, oh, I can't sleep because of that noise. But even when we do close our eyes and fall off to sleep, that little LED light, even on your bedside radio, like clock radio, can be enough to actually reduce your overall melatonin production during the night, and so you will not get the adequate level of that hormone to get a proper restful sleep. So any of those little light sources, like I tell people to turn their clock radio around so that the light is shining elsewhere or put something over the top of it or just get rid of it out of your room, Um, when you get into good sleep hygiene patterns, you generally won't need an alarm to wake you up. You shouldn't need an alarm to wake you up. If you are waking up every morning with an alarm, you need to really look at your sleep cycles, your sleep patterns, have a look at when are you getting into bed, how restful is your sleep once you get to sleep. Because yeah, a sleep study done in 2020 said that only about 20% of Australians actually sleep all the way through the night. Which, yeah, that's fairly alarming. That's only a very small percentage of people. So either people are having... Loads of interruptions through the night, um, yeah, or they're having just very poor quality sleep, not getting to bed early enough, and then have to wake themselves up with an alarm in the morning. Mm.
0: Renee, what about natural light? And I'm thinking of moonlight and starlight. You know, some of those really moonlight nights where it's crystal clear and there's a full moon. I mean, you could you could sit outside with good eyes and literally read a book by moonlight, Mm -hmm. is that going to affect the quality of our sleep? In the same way that, say, for instance, a a screen or a clock or, you know, that kind of light.
2: Yeah. The light sources are slightly different and they do have a slightly different effect on our brain. Um, But, yes, it is true that moonlight, like when it's full moon and quite bright, generally people will report poor sleep because that light still does affect us. You know, and they've got all the old sayings that, you know, full moons, that's when all the, you know, people go crazy and things like that. And when we're not getting adequate sleep, it is your emotional, emotional and psychological health that suffers and also your immune health. So there is some, there's some, um, truth, I guess, to that concept that, yeah, when, when there's too much light exposure, you're not getting adequate sleep and you're not your best self. You're going to, um, have a tendency to be, more irritable, moody, do things that perhaps you wouldn't ordinarily do Um, if you're not sleep-deprived, slower reflexes, there's a whole range of different things that come about when you're not getting adequate sleep.
0: Mm, mm. Okay, so I guess um, blinds and curtains are our best friend when it comes to sleep, as well as shutting off all of the electronics in the room, make it nice and dark.
2: That's right, and it's not just shutting off the electronics in the room when you get into the room, there is this process of going to sleep so you can't just have all lights on, computer right in your face or TV, switch that off and then just expect to jammies on, jump into bed, get rid of all the light sources in your room and have a sound sleep. Um, so ideally I try and uh, coach people through some good sleep hygiene techniques and your big one is actually just trying to mimic the natural uh, light quantities I guess throughout the day. So. In the day, you really need to be outside, be exposed to bright lights, as in sunlight. (laughs) So being outdoors, um, if you can't get outdoors, even just having you know, your lunch break outside or moving your computer to a window to get a little bit more natural light. Then as the sun sets, you want to start doing things like turning off the bulk of lights in your house. So don't have everything blaring. This is really good for your electricity bill as well. Mm. So, turn off some of your big headlights and put on things like lamps or, you know, have some kind of soft light happening, whether it be, you know, a diffuser light or something like that, um, and just start reducing that light exposure to your retina. Um, and things like your, and this is a great one for winter, things like your uh, firelight. So, if you've got a gas um, gas fire in your home or you've got a real wood combustion stove, getting those things burning and actually using that as your light source in the room. So, you know, this won't be so conducive to sitting and reading because you need a fairly bright light to read. Um, but reading is a good step if you've been watching this whole bunch of TV and being on computers. So start shutting down those kinds of devices. At least two is the absolute minimum, two hours before bed. But I really like it about four hours before bed. Um, then you might potentially bring out a book and just use a soft light and read um, by that soft light. Um, but, you know, as we age, eyes aren't so good. You can't read so well under um, <laughs> soft light. And so then you're better off to actually, you know, whether it be just lay down and listen to the radio or go and have a nice hot bath or
0: you could, you do could, something. You could lay down and listen to Faith FM Radio. There you go.
2: There we go. Exactly. These kinds of things are relaxing, um, and they're not involving light and looking at a screen. And yeah, just going through that, through various steps to actually get that relaxation response happening in your body because um, yeah, cortisol or your fight or flight stress hormone, that's your biggest enemy to the production of your melatonin as far as hormones go. So you know cortisol is your primary hormone when you wake up in the morning. So you get a cortisol spike as soon as the sun starts to come up and that wakes you up. And then you should have cortisol kind of leaving the stage uh, later in the afternoon and melatonin really coming to center stage as the sun's setting and it kind of peaks between midnight and 2 a.m. So if you've really pushed your bedtime and you're not getting into bed till like 11, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, you've really missed that um, ability for your melatonin to really rise and have its effects. And melatonin is critical because it is, a massive antioxidant for our body. It's one of your major anti-aging hormones and that we all want to age well and so sleep is critical for that. Um, But yeah, there's also like special cleaning processes that are happening in your brain called your glymphatic pathways that help to actually clean your brain, reduce your um, risk of Alzheimer's disease. Um, You're consolidating all the different things that you learnt during the day. So you can't actually gain a new skill that you've learned until you've gone through a proper eight-hour sleep cycle. And this is why we see young children sleep so much, like babies and toddlers, because they're just learning so much. They're just a little sponge absorbing it all in and they need their sleep to actually consolidate that and for their body to grow. So we kind of lose that as we get older um, and so we really need to make sure we're we're um, fostering that with our habits. Because naturally, we want to stay up, do more, you know, ride that cortisol stress response a lot later in the day, whereas, you know, kids are more attuned to the natural cycles our bodies are designed with.
0: Now, what about, you, you talk about cortisol, you know, kicking in the, in the morning when we get up. What about uh, those of us that mm-hmm. do a breakfast show and get up long before the sun gets <laughs> up? Uh, are, we not, are, we, are we missing out on something or are we just uh, collecting it later in the day?
2: Yeah, look, your cortisol would just be kicking in earlier and you probably need to wake up with an alarm <laughs> how early <laughs> you guys need to get up. Um, so, yeah, look, your cortisol would just kick in a little bit um, unnaturally in the morning when you're hearing the alarm going off. So anything that's going to set off that stress response in the morning, bang, it's going to be increasing when your alarm's going. Um, and then as long as you're getting sunlight through the day and allowing your melatonin production to start once the sun is setting, then you'll, that'll be better for you because you need to make sure you're fully maximizing your melatonin because yeah, between 10 and 12, that's when it's having its major restorative effect. So, um, sorry, not 10 and 12, 10 PM and 2 AM. So I don't know, Lyle, do you get up before 2 AM to get
0: to No, I'm not, I'm not, I get up early, but not, not, not quite that early.
2: <laughs> not that early. Okay. Not well, perfect. Early. You'll be able to get the maximum benefit of your melatonin. And yeah, your cortisol would just be, um, you know, coming
0: to a peak a little bit earlier than most. Yeah. So another question that comes to my mind is, I'm uh, just listening to this, you know, one of the things, you know, the great pandemic of our age is depression. Mm-hmm. And we, we go back, say, 100 years or 150 years even to a time when, you know, we've been told that one of the greatest protections against depression is walking. And mm-hmm. that walking acts like a very, very significant Antidepressant, and as human beings, we just don't walk anymore like we used to. I think the average person used to walk, you know, 16 kilometers a day a uh, hundred years ago, and now we're walking yeah. two if, if we're lucky, which is, yeah. is, is a massive difference. And you go back further than that. So I'm thinking you go back in time, you're going to be doing a lot less walking, but you're also going to be getting a lot more melatonin because the light that you're going to be getting even after the sun goes down is firelight. And That's firelight, right. I don't know about you, but I find it so relaxing sitting and just staring at a fire. You know, that really gets mm-hmm. me ready for sleep. Are yeah. uh, is, is, is these significant factors in what is causing the current pandemic of depression that our world is facing
2: right now? they definitely significant lifestyle factors. So yeah, walking, because when you think about it, if you're in that fight or flight Stress response: your sympathetic nervous system is the one that's more active. It's fight or flight because you need you, there's some stressor, and naturally, your body wants to run to get away from it. Um, and so, when we're inactive and our stress is through, you know, various texts or emails or a conversation that we've had with our boss at work or our spouse at home uh, or you know something that's going down with our kids, like it's not something that we respond to physically. Um, So when people are just generally active, whether it be in their occupation or they just take the time to actually schedule exercise, that's a really good way of just flushing out those, uh, the surges of stress hormones that will be dumped into your bloodstream when you're going through a stressful situation. So, yeah, definitely exercise is critical. And, you know, we all know how we feel if we've had a day out at the beach, we've been playing you know, beach cricket or volleyball and running around, swimming. You've been in the sun and you come home and you're ready to tuck into bed at 7, 7.30 p.m. because you just feel really, you know, smashed, but in a good way. In a really and good way, yeah. And that's because you've actually, yeah, exposed your body to the sun. You've been active um, and, yeah, your, your body's ready for bed. So, yeah, tips as far as those who are more sedentary, office workers, you know, Take every opportunity you can to actually get, like, sunlight exposure throughout the day. Yes. Um, And, yeah, often if it is, just take your lunch outside and eat your lunch in the sun. Like, do it. You Uh, you really want to make maximize every opportunity to get in the sun. As soon as you get home, if there's still a bit of daylight, get the mower out and go mow the lawn. Do something active and outdoors. Um, and you'll
0: be, you know, kicking two boxes at once. Renee, we are out of time, unfortunately, but thank you so much for joining us this morning.
2: Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.